okay, I'll forgive you. Hey, we're going to be in the book of Philippians tonight. So if you will grab a Bible, we want you to grab a physical copy of God's Word. We have some up front. We have notes in the back with pens. Get excited, small groups are back tonight. So take notes, take good notes for your small groups as we dive into those. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we'll be going through verses 1 through 4 tonight. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. All right, I need, a, this is a interactive. Raise your hand if you've ever been a part of any kind of team or band before. Corral, band, sports, anything. Corral, is, I said that correct, right? Corral? That, it's like a singing group? No, no, yes, I know choir, but it's, it's, it's a college thing. Brittany was in corral in college. Huh? Okay, well, I guess I'm just more cultured than everybody. I'm just kidding. That's the last thing that I am. Uh, whether you've been part of any team before, raise your hand if you've been a part of bad teams. Bad orchestras, bad team, like sports teams, anything that you're just like, we're really bad. All right. Raise your hand if you've been on good teams before. Okay, so there's a, a, a big difference. I can promise you that a majority of y'all that were on bad teams, not sometimes the coach was bad, sometimes the coach was good, or the leader. But what tends to happen is on bad teams and bad organizations, there's not a lot of buy-in from the people a part of it. So think of a, think of a football team. You're running gassers, you're running, you're lifting, you're doing all these sprints, and you got guys that are lazy and they're not really bought in, or you guys are, are practicing for the spring uh, orchestra concert and someone's not really playing the right tune, they're not really paying attention to what they have to do, most of the time those teams are really bad. But if you've been a part of a good team, you probably have good, and you think in high school terms, good senior leadership, right? Good senior leadership that is holding everybody to a standard. When that person is loafing in sprints or they're not giving it their all in practice, typically you have that senior leadership that is holding them to a standard that, hey, pay attention, focus up, get right, because we want to excel during the competition or during the game, right? It's all about holding your, your teammates, your friends to a standard. Well, that's a, a way to define this word accountability. It's to hold one another to a standard. And as I, I sifted through all of the responses, and something that continued to come up uh, on, on the, the Google form was this idea of, I have a friend that's a believer. They may go to a different church youth group. They may be in this youth group. They say one thing at church, but they do another thing at school. Right? You guys have friends that like that before that, they say one thing at church, they look a certain way, they talk a certain way, but then at school, they, they talk different. They're cussing like a sailor, they're gossiping, they're doing all these things. And your question is, what, how do I interact with them? And, and I kind of formulated this question from your responses, and that's the question we're going to be going over tonight. The question is, what does an accountable friend look like? What does an accountable friend look like? What does it look like to be a friend that holds 
others to a standard, to be accountable for their actions for the cause of Christ. I think it's important because in high school we see friends flip-flop all the time. So how do we hold them to a standard? How do we encourage them? Kind of my overarching answer to that, what what does an accountable friend look like? An accountable friend is selfless, intentional, and holy. An accountable friend is selfless, intentional, and holy. Let me pray as we open God's word. God, I thank you for your living and active word. I thank you for the high school students in this room tonight. God, would you speak to our hearts, Lord, in our friends that, Lord, we're struggling with of what to say, how to approach. Lord, I pray you give us wisdom tonight as we open your word. And God, I pray that you would break down our hearts and allow us to be ready for a friend to do the same thing to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to go over three steps on what it looks like to be an accountable friend in your friend's life and in your life. Step number one. You ready? To be an accountable friend, the step number one is to get over yourself. Step number one, get over yourself. Philippians 2, chapter or chapter 2, verse 3. It reads, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. We live in a generation that is focused on me, focused on I. You got the iPhone, you got the selfie. You got everything that everyone is self-indulgent, self-consumed, focused on them and them alone. Y'all got friends like that? Y'all got friends uh, that come up to you and they only talk about themselves? That You don't have to say they're in this room. Y'all have those friends that only talk about themselves? They never ask any questions? There's times that uh, during, you know, me and Brittany have been married for six years, times that we hang out with people and we're like, hey, did they ask you a question? No, did they ask you a question? No, sometimes I feel like we're the only people that ever ask people questions. Because when you have people that come up to you and just want to talk about themselves, you don't feel valued after that conversation. You just feel like you were used for them to talk about themselves. People love themselves. But you can agree that sometimes we've been that or you've experienced it, that the person that talks about themselves constantly is not a great friend to you. So let's look back at verse 3. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Paul is writing this this letter to the church of Philippi, and he's talking about Christ's example of humility. He's not talking about, hey, this is how you be a friend in this passage. The context is the example of Christ, the humility that he had, but what he's encouraging the church to do, what what they're to live their life like. Uh, with one another, and I think it's applicable when we talk about friendships. So we look at it, it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. If we are honest, we do a lot of things from selfish motives, whether it be the friend groups that we're in or the things that we post, the conversations that we have, that we want it all to be directed back to us because we love being the main character in our story. We love everyone knowing about us. But if we are a friend that holds others to a standard, We've got to get over ourselves and stop looking to our own needs. So the first step in getting over yourself is to stop looking only to your needs. Because, again, if you've got a friend that is only talking about themselves, only worried about using you to be able to get back to them, that's not a good friend. And sometimes we can do that to other people. We can get so consumed with I've got these problems and I've got to 
you know, have these needs uh, met and fulfilled that we don't look outwards. But again, that is a bad friend that is not, uh, that is not selfless, that is not looking to the needs of others. The second aspect of getting over yourself beyond stop looking only to your needs is to get over your feelings when your friend holds you accountable. You all ever get your feelings hurt when someone comes at you, tells you a word that you know is true, but you don't really want to hear it? We love holding other people accountable. We love telling them, hey, you need to stop doing this. Hey, you need to stop talking like this. But we don't like it when people check us up front. We don't like it when they start asking us questions, say, hey, why are you doing this? Hey, this doesn't line up with what I see you profess as a believer. Those things are tough for us, and we've got to get over our feelings of that because we've got to understand as a friend that's an accountable friend that holds us to a standard, it's being done out of love, out of a relationship, out of a desire for us to become more like Jesus, right? We're, we're doing this within the Christian worldview. So we've got to look not only to our needs, but we've got to start looking to other people's needs, stop only worrying about ourselves. But we've also, if we want other people to receive the challenge that we have for them from God's word, we have to be willing to accept that challenge ourselves. So when people come up and brush up on us, that we've got to understand and realize it's for our own good and our own sanctification to become more like Jesus, that our friend is speaking truth into our life. So we've got to get over ourselves. That's the step number one to becoming an accountable friend. Step number two, look to their need. Look to their needs. Verse 4 in chapter 2 of Philippians. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Again, we love only looking to our needs and not other people. This past summer, you know, we go to the beach every year with Brittany's family. We're in Gulf Shores. And uh, we were taking the boys out uh, on the beach and we were walking. And all of a sudden, these people, all these volunteer sh- uh, shirts on. I'm like, it's like 6 o'clock. Uh, at night, I'm like, what are all these volunteers doing on the beach? Are they picking up trash on the beach? What are they doing? And they started making this little fence with this ribbon uh, so that people could not pass. And they started digging these holes. And we're like, I'm interested. Let's go over there and start watching and, and ask them some questions. And as we got closer, we see they have some, uh, some baby turtles on their shirt and finds out that they are part of this volunteer program that sees and tracks all of these mama sea turtles that come up on shore. And they know when they hatch, and their nest is hatched, and they go out. But what they do is they start digging to find the little guys that didn't make it out. Because typically, there are still quite a few little uh, little baby turtles that didn't make it out of the nest. That If they, the volunteers didn't help, they would die uh, within the sand and, and never make it out to sea. So what they do is they start digging it up, and Noble comes out, and he likes Finding Nemo. So he's like, baby crushes. Like, this is amazing. Like, this is great family moment for him just to be enthralled with all these baby turtles. But these volunteers, they, they could do whatever they want on uh, a, an evening in Gulf Shores. But what they're choosing is looking to the needs of these little baby turtles. And I think they found like 12 or 15 baby turtles that we got to see crawl out to sea and be uh, whisked up in, in, in the waves. It's a really cool thing. But those volunteers were not looking to only their needs, but they were looking to the needs of the turtles. When we are so self-consumed, when we are only focusing on me, myself, and I, we are too busy to look to other people's needs. But if we want to be their friend and hold them to a standard of becoming more like Jesus, being on the same mission with them, 
We've got to have our eyes not only inward, but we've got to have our eyes outward. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times. Could that be named of you? Are you a friend that people can look to and say, I know they, they're, they're in my corner. I know if I can go to them, they'll be there ready to help me. I know they'll come and seek me out. What are steps to look to other people's needs? Step one in looking to other people's needs is to check in with them. Are you a friend that checks in with their friends? There's, uh, You guys are in a unique time in high school where uh, – at least in the youth group, if you don't go to school with the, the people in here, you see them at least twice a week, right, on Sundays and Wednesdays. But then your friends at school, you see them five times a week, every single day. As a 30-year-old, all of my, like, some of my really good friends I went to college with, I worked at Kanakuk with, they live across multiple states. They live across the United States of America. And it's really hard to be intentional to look towards their needs all the time. I have a, a friend that uh, is very dear to me. Uh, they're up in Joplin, Missouri right now, but he is uh, a missionary over uh, in West Africa. And they just came back in a couple, uh, about a week and a half ago. They have a little girl, but the, his wife just had twins, uh, which we're really excited because we're going to go up on the way back to Illinois next week for Thanksgiving, and we're going to see them. His name's Alex, and he is one of my closest friends, and I'm not always the greatest friend to Alex. He is incredibly intentional with me. He texts me, asks how the boys are doing, asks how Brittany's doing, very intentional with me. And many times as I look at our text messages, he's starting the conversation and not me. I'm not the one that's being intentional and reaching out. Y'all ever have those friends that are super intentional with you? It, it's convicting because as I was going through this, I'm like, man, I'm not as good of a friend uh, to Alex as he is to me. We want to be as believers intentional with our friends, and we want to check in with them. As I look across this room, there are some of y'all that come in here week in, week out with some heavy burdens. Maybe it's within your family. Maybe you're taking like seven AP courses uh, in high school, and it's just like overwhelming you. I can see it on your face. Your friends can see it on your face. Your family can see it on your face. In the tough times or in the good times, what we desire and what we need is friends to check in on us. And when friends check in on you and say, hey, man, I've heard of the week that you've had. It's been rough. I'm so sorry. Right? You're not looking for them to answer your problems in that moment, but for them, the sheer fact that they would reach out and say, hey, you're known, valued, and loved. I know you're there. I know you're going through something. That means the world to you, doesn't it? When someone reaches out and shows that they are thinking of you. But even in the good times, something good happens. Uh, that, that's incredibly important to, to be known, valued, and loved by your friends. Are you a friend that checks in on people, or are you the friend that people check in on? We want friends to be able to check in on us. But if we want to be a friend that holds people to a standard that there's an accountability aspect to our friendship, that's never going to work if we don't check in with them. Because that's where that relational equity is built. That's where it's stored. That's where the relationship grows because you know there's love and care for you. Because if I came up in your grill, never talked to you before in my life, and I just started just railing you and just yelling at you for the sins that I see in your life, would you take any of that? 
No, you say, I'd never want to see you again in my life. I'm out of here. But if I have a relationship, there's guys that I have relationships with that I've built relational equity. They know that I care for them. They know that I'm there for them in the good times and the bad times. And when I speak a strong word to them, they receive it well because there's a relationship there. So if you see your friends that are walking not according to God's word, they may go to another youth group. They may go to this youth group. You're like, how do I interact with them? How do I call them to a higher standard? First, first thing you need to do is, are you checking in on them? Are you being intentional? Are you being caring and kind and loving to them? Because if they don't sniff that you actually want a relationship with them, they could care less what your words say. What do your actions say? Are you reaching out to them? Are you being intentional with them? Are you caring for them? So the first step in looking to their needs is to check in. The second thing is to pray for them. Any of y'all ever been guilty before of saying, hey, yeah, man, I'll definitely pray for that. And then never pray for them. Y'all ever been guilty of that? I've been guilty of that. Y'all ever experienced someone uh, ask you what they could pray for, and then they pray for you in that moment? Y'all ever experienced that? It's a pretty affirming experience because they're saying, this is so important, I'm going to pray for it right now. I want you to know that I love you so much, I'm going to go to the Lord on your behalf. That speaks a lot as a friend. So if you want to continue to build a relationship that you can speak truth and you can love on people, start praying for them in the moment because we share our prayer requests all the time. We may not say, hey, I need prayer for this, but we can talk about situations. Your friends talk about situations. And you listen to them and you can think, they need prayer for that. So do you have the boldness to say, I'm going to pray for you right now? Hey, can I? It could be in the middle of the hallway. That could be awkward. People might run into you. Who cares? Because that person matters. And when you pray for them in the moment, that relationship goes deeper. That bond goes, goes deeper than that. But what's really, I mean, just heartwarming, affirming in a friend is when they tell you something that's going on, say, okay, yeah, I'll pray for that. But when they don't bring it up again, but you bring it up, it's like four days later, five days later, say, hey, man, you've been praying, you asked for prayer for that test, or you asked prayer for that situation with your, your brother or your sister. Hey, how's that going? Y'all ever experienced that before? You've asked for prayer, and someone you didn't even approach them to come and talk to you again about it, but they just came and talked to you about it. You're like, wow, they really care about me. Like they really genuinely desire to know how I'm doing. That changes the world in relationship. So when you're looking to the needs of others, check in with them. Pray for them. And the last thing in that looking to their needs is to speak truth to them. We love speaking truth. We love calling people out. But it's going to fall on deaf ears if that relationship is not built. Check in, pray, and then you have the opportunity. Then you have the platform in their life to speak truth because you have that relational equity. You have that relationship that they know that you are for them. So when there's an argument that despite what's going on, despite what's being said, they know that they are for you. One of the things that uh, was amazing Like I said, me and Brittany have been married over six years. One of the amazing things that we learned early on as, you know, as married couples, you get in uh, arguments or frustrations, that we learned early on was Brittany is for me, and I'm for Brittany. So no matter what argument, no matter what disagreement we had, we knew that we were for the the other one, and we weren't there to attack them. 
We are to build them up. The same thing goes in a friendship. When you have someone that checks in on you, that's intentional with you, that prays for you, you know they are for you. So when they speak truth into your life, you know it's not just some outsider that's, that's trying to, 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 to get you. But you know it's a friend that loves you dearly that wants to see you grow in the relationship. So when you got that friend that is cursing like a sailor on the practice field, or they're cursing like a sailor, they're hitting the vape, they tried alcohol for the first time, and you heard about it. What are you going to do as a friend? you got to think, am I, have I been intentional with them? Do they know I care about them? Do they know that they are on my mind, that I go to the Lord before them? When you have that relational equity built, you can go to them and they receive it in a better sense, in a better way, because they know they, that you are for them. But you got it, it all works together because if you go there, you have the relationship, but you still have like pride about you, they're not going to receive it. So that's why step number one is so important. Get over yourself. It's not about being you being right. It's about your friend becoming more like Jesus. So you take yourself out of the equation and you care about them. You look to their needs. You, you, you check in. You pray. But you speak truth when truth needs to be spoken. So whether that's friends starting to dip into the party scene or you know that your, boy, their, your friend with their boyfriend or girlfriend are starting to do things physically that you know they shouldn't do or they're consumed and they've ditched all their friends because they are consumed with their relationship, those are times, if you have that relational equity built, that you go to them humbly and say, hey, what you're, what you're doing doesn't line up with what you say you believe. Hey, man, can you, can you tell me what's going on? And when you ask questions, how are things going, people are going to open up about what's going on in their life. Because ten, what tends to be there is a root of every sin that we commit. And there's a reason why we commit the sins that we do, because it's a lie that we believe that Satan's given to us. But as we ask people that as we're intentional with them, those reasons of why they're going into the party scene or why they're going into the sin that they're choosing, it becomes pretty apparent in conversation. Because they, you ask good questions, you're intentional, and they know they care, so they're going to open up with you. So there's that level of humility and care and love to where you can speak truth into their life. So the question is, have you got over yourself, and are you looking to other people's needs? Proverbs 27.6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, and profuse are the kisses of an enemy. It is better the wound of a friend to speak truth into your life, to speak truth into their life, rather than to allow them to continue on and say, hey, what you're doing is fine. Hey, what you're snapping people is fine. Hey, what you're doing on the weekend is fine. No, better are the wounds of a friend because there's care and a desire to become more like Jesus, and that's more important than just having a trivial friendship that is surface level. Continuing Proverbs 27, verse 9, says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Friendships are sweet because we speak truth into our lives. Because there's a desire for them to become more like Jesus. It is sweet when a friendship is like that. And the third step tonight to become an accountable friend is to pursue Jesus together. Pursue Jesus together. Step one, get over yourself. Step two, look to others' needs. Step three, pursue Jesus together. Verse two of Philippians. Let's go verse one and two. 
So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. As he's reading this, as he's writing this, he's saying, if there's any encouragement in Christ, is there encouragement in Christ? There is. Is there any comfort from the love of Jesus because he's died for our sins and because of his death and resurrection, we may have life with him for eternity? Yes, there is. Affection and sympathy says, if these things are true, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full accord and of one mind, being on one mission together. That's what we're called to as friends. That hopefully in this room, you have people that are running the same race as you. It is really easy, and I'll say this just with being blunt. We want to have friends that are non-believers. We don't want to date non-believers. Because if we're dating someone that does not know Jesus, they are not pointing us to Jesus. They are not of one mind with us. They are not on the same mission. It may feel good just in love and emotions, but it is not God's design. So that's one thing. We are not to be unequally yoked. We're not to be dating non-believers because we're not on the same mission. But I'm talking about your core friends here. I'm not talking about dating. I'm talking about friends. Your core friends. You guys need to be running the same race at the, the same race at the same pace. That you guys are going towards the same direction. Because here, here's the beauty of it. When you are getting over yourself and you're humble and you're going towards what the Lord has and you're looking to other people's needs and checking in and praying and speaking truth into each other's lives, you're running the same race with your friends. You got friends that you do that with, that your core that you open up to, they reach out to you, you reach out to them. They're your people on a Friday night or a Wednesday night after youth group. Those people you are running the same race with. But here's the beauty of friendship and and the beauty of checking one another. Is that as you guys are running the race, you got one friend that's starting to veer off a little bit. They're starting to dip into a little bit of sin. You guys are running at the same race that you are being intentional, you're being uh, you know, watchful, prayerful about them, that you see that. You see them turning away. Because there's sometimes that we're not intentional with people, and they've turned away from the Lord for a, for a while. They're deep down a different path, but we don't know it because we're not intentional with them. We're not running the same race. But if you got your core people that you're running with, that you are holding to the standard, you can see when they start veering off because you've got an intentional friendship with them. So it's in that moment they know that you care for them, that you're intentional with them, that you pray for them, that when you speak truth into them, they understand where it's coming from and they get back on. Because you have that relational equity, because you're on the same mission, and you can start running together. Verse 2 says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full accord and of one mind. There is one mission as a believer. It's to make Jesus known in our life to the world. Jesus is to be on our lips, in our actions. God delights to use his people for his mission. And we are to do this together. That's why youth group in the church is so important because you are in a room with people that want to make Jesus known in their life and in the school. That we want to run this race together. Christianity is not a Lone Ranger sport. 
you, you think about sports, it's not tennis where it's just by yourself. It's not golf where you're just by yourself. It's a team sport where we are running this race together. My question to you, do you have those friends? Do you have those friends that you're running the same mission where you are of the same mind, of the same mission, of the same love, and the same heart? Do you have that friend in your life? So I want you to survey your friends, but I also want you to ask, are you that friend people want to run with? It's really easy to want to run with some other people, but the question is, are you the type of friend that people want to run with towards Jesus? Are you living the life that the Bible calls is holy, set apart? Or are you the person that blends in with the school and they say, well, I can't really run with you because you're not running the same goal towards uh, which I'm running. Do you have those friends in your life? Are you engaging them? Are you the friend that people want to run with? What does an accountable friend look like? What does it look like to be a friend that holds others accountable? It's one that is humble, that has gotten over themselves, that is not prideful, not just self-consumed and self-indulgent. It's a friend that looks towards others' needs. And that looks when you are intentional, you check in with people, you pray for them, but you also speak truth to them because you have that relational foundation, that relational platform in their life. And that accountable friend means that you're running with them towards the same mission. So you got that friend that's veering off? Reach out to them. Ask them how they're doing. Ask what's going on in their life. Pray for them in the moment. Pray for them in person. Pray for them afterwards and continue to check in on them. And as you build that, speak truth in their life knowing that God has called us to something so much better and so much higher than the trivial pursuits of high school. Are you that friend? And what I desire is that our youth group from middle school to high school, 6th grade to 12th grade, boys and girls, is that this youth group would be filled full of people that love Jesus, that want to run the same race together, that want to hold one another accountable. If someone's not checking you, you're not growing. That's why D groups are so important. If you don't have someone in your life speaking truth into your life, you will continue to be sedentary and not grow in your faith. So get plugged in. Get plugged into a friend group, to those friends that you want to run the same race, but make sure that you're pursuing the same things that you want others to pursue, because God will honor it. As the band comes up, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. I want you guys to use this time as we sing and worship the Lord. I want you, I want the Lord to bring to your mind the friends in your life. I want the Lord, and I want you to think of those friends that you hold nearest and dearest to you. Are you running the same race as them? Yes, we want to have lots of friends that are non-believers, but who are the people that you are running with that are challenging you and growing you? Are you running the same race? And I want you to ask yourself, do they know how thankful you are for them? So during this time, that's one of the things I want us to be thinking about, and I want to pray. I want you to pray for those friends that hold you accountable, that challenge you, that encourage you. I want you to pray for them during worship. But I also want it to be some self-reflection. Are we that friend that has gotten over ourselves? Are we the friend that is humble? Are we the friend that looked to other people's needs? Maybe this tonight is a little check for us. Are we looking at other people, or are we just self-consumed with our own interest 
with our own relationships, that we aren't looking to the needs of our friends that need us. Because oh, how great it is to be known, valued, and loved by our friends. So who are the friends that hold you accountable? Who are the friends that you're thankful for? And as we worship and as we sing, we praise the Lord for them. But as we leave this place tonight, I want you to text them, to call them, to let them know how incredibly thankful you are and that you want to run this race together. So be thankful for them. Self-reflection, what kind of friend are you? Where are you running and who are the people you're running with? Because the friends that you're running with, they will determine where you go. And if Jesus is your Lord and you're running with like-minded believers, you're going to be running towards the mission of making Jesus known. And the last thing I want us to think, there are people in this room tonight that you are saying, Dylan, this is great. I don't have those friends. I don't have those connections. I feel alone and by myself. I don't have that person that checks in on me. I don't have that person that holds me accountable. I don't have that person that is my ride or die. Cry out to the Lord that he would provide. And for those in the room tonight that see those people that don't have those friends, those close, tight-knit, ride-or-die people, how are you going to reach out to them? How are you going to bring them into the fold? Because the last thing we want this youth group is to be a, a group of cliques. I want this group to be of one mind, one soul, one mission. That's to make Jesus known in all that we do and for people to come to know Jesus. Let's stand and worship the God that saw us, saw our sin, and decided to reach down to us and be the friend that gave his life for us. Jesus, we thank you for this time.